Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 65 of the IoT for All podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Chacon, and today's guest is Chris Howard, the founder and CEO of SoftTech. He joins us today to share some of the most important considerations for early IoT deployments and how to not become one of the 75% of deployments that never make it to market. To give you a little background on Chris, he started his career as a co-op student at IBM's Federal Systems Division, which supported the space program at NASA. His early professional experience included software development for a space workstation, and then in 97, he founded SoftTech Development with a focus on technical software development, which has since grown into a full-stack development team. To give you a little more background on SoftTech, they are a global full-stack development company specializing in designing and building smart connected devices and Internet of Things solutions. I promise this will be an episode that you will be very happy that you listen to. It is an episode where we talk a lot about why IoT deployments fail. Um, whether they're business type issues, whether they're technical issues, you name it. Um, it is going to be very, very important that you pay attention to this conversation because way too many IoT solutions are failing and we need as an as a group of an industry, we need to work together to be able to better provide the components to help these IoT solutions f- succeed. Um, it's kind of imperative to us as an organization and to the industry as a whole. So hopefully you guys find a lot of value in this conversation. Um, so with that, with that being said, um, please enjoy this episode with Chris Howard, the founder and CEO of SoftTech. Welcome, Chris, to the IoT for All show. How are things going? Uh, pretty well uh, in this new world, as well as can be expected. <laughs> yeah, it's a very unique situation we're in. Um, I'm hoping that we're starting to see some some positive changes as far as you know coming out of the the lockdowns that we have. I know our state's getting ready to hopefully announce some new things, but um, I know it's not the same for everyone around the country, but it's definitely a, a new new time, new world that we're having all to kind of experience at the same time together. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, in Texas, they're starting to open up. And of course, as an entrepreneur, I also support that. You know, I think that mm-hmm. we can only hold our breath so long, right? We're going to yeah. have to find out you know, a way to get through this. Um, yes. It's going to take a while. I agree with you completely. Um, but, but that, that's fantastic. You know, that hopefully those things do, do definitely help, help, uh, kind of improve the economy down there. And, you know, people start to become a bit, a bit less scared of kind of what's going on and, and hopefully that'll, that'll occur. But, um, Absolutely. but yeah, but, but it's great to have you on. Um, I think the best way to start this out would be to have you give a quick introduction about yourself. Um, you know, any interesting information about your background, your experience, kind of, you know, how, where SoftTech kind of came from, um, and just anything you think would be insightful for our audience to hear. Okay. Yeah, sure. Uh, you know, my name is Chris Howard. I'm the founder and CEO of SoftTech Development. You know, we're a full stack hardware and software development company based in Houston, Texas, with offices in Munich, Germany, and it's Belarus. Uh, as for me, I've always been an entrepreneur, having started my first software business when I was... 23, I think, while attending the um, University of Houston and working as a co-op student at IBM. And at that time, IBM was um, supporting the space program down at NASA, which was a pretty cool experience. And um, it was right at the start of the IBM PC days. So there was exactly one IBM PC there for the entire department, and it was located in the hallway. And I remember an engineer pointed to it one day and said, Hey, why don't you become an expert in that thing? And I thought that was a fantastic idea. And <laughs> within a few days I had convinced him to, uh, let me put the PC on my desk. And, um, from there I understood that the expert was the guy who read, read the manual mm-hmm. and, uh, just really learned quite a lot while I was there. And then at some point, you know, with the growth of the industry, he decided to 
venture off on my own and do some consulting. Um, I had a growing family and I was a student, so I was trying to find a way to earn a little more money. So I started doing some consulting work and, um, well, I've been always been an entrepreneur all part of my life. So started soft tech about 23 years ago and with a focus on technical software development, mm -hmm. I saw a need for more technical development. And by that, I mean, you know, the more challenging projects, um, you know, leading edge technology and new product development and maybe things that have never been done before. Mm -hmm. And, uh, that's what we've been doing ever since then. Very cool. So, so how'd you all, um, kind of get, get into IOT, um, you know, and, and how would you kind of define the role that you all play in the IOT process? Mm -hmm. Well, we've always partnered, you know, with, um, hardware companies in, in particular and compact was one of our first, uh, customers back in the, in the late nineties and they were developing, we we're helping them develop software for a PC TV hybrid. Um, and this was, of course, a long time ago. So it was a 36 inch tube TV with like a desktop that I don't know, might have been running like 10 megahertz or something. <laughs> but, uh, uh, DVDs were just getting starting to appear. So, um, at some point, uh, Disney approached uh, Compaq and HP because they were uh, one of their big partners and they wanted a, um, a particular hardware product developed. Um, and so we started, you know, it, it was kind of a low run, uh, like 5,000 units. So it wasn't really something that Compaq or HP was going to gear up for. It was a custom hardware solution for the assistive technology space, uh, real time translation in their theme park. So anywhere you would hear English, you could hear Korean instead or Very Spanish cool. or something all automatically synchronized with the rides and shows because they want to try to give the same kind of experience to someone who is low sight or blind mm -hmm. or, mm -hmm. or, um, deaf or hard of hearing. And, um, but you know, not have to push those codes and things you'd see in other museums and stuff. Right. Right. So it would just automatically happen. Um, so they wanted to support Disney as their partner and they asked SoftTech to develop it. And at the time we had never really created a hardware product ourselves. Um, but we had been around so many hardware projects working with these companies. It was really a natural fit for us. And we ended up developing 5,000 of these headsets, um, and several hundred custom 20 unit battery chargers. The firmware, the software delivered the whole thing within six months, which as you're aware is pretty fast for a hardware project. And at the time Disney said it was the most successful hardware project they'd ever done actually. So it was a pretty good start for us. And, um, that was really the start of the hardware side of the business. And, you know, as far as the firmware and software side, embedded development has always been, you know, at Softix course since the beginning, my background is electrical engineering you know, I really feel that, um, you know, if, if a team that understands hardware development really makes you a better software developer because you really understand what's going on, you know, under the hood. Right. So, so I guess talk me through, um, when you're working with customers, uh, what does a typical customer engagement look like for soft tech? You know, what stage do you all usually kind of come in, um, yeah to, to the process, like on the IOT journey for a company, or is it, does it potentially vary depending on the customer, which I suspect would probably be more likely the case, but just kind of hearing your thoughts on, on the, uh, kind of that approach and, and what it's usually like for you all. Yeah, we get involved in, you know, all different stages of the project. Um, there can be a, a you know, a, a startup that's trying to develop like their first product and they need everything, everything and anything uh -huh. done. Right. 
Um, or it can be a, a larger partner that just needs us to, to do a, you know, a certain piece of the project. Um, or it can be somebody with their hair on fire. And often that is the case, you know, where they, they have an ongoing project and there's some problem and they need to bring in someone to actually, you know, do like a, a project sure. rescue. Um, we have about three different kinds of engagements. So it's typically either, for example, if it's a well-defined project, it's a fixed price. It's something that we mm-hmm. can quote. You know, so we'll do a fixed mm-hmm. price bid. Um, otherwise, it's you know, a time and materials, right? Um, we try to give some 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 ballpark guidance on kind of the size of the project, but then it's just T and M. And then the third type of engagement we have is what we call a dedicated team, which is just you know, more or less staff augmentation. Mm-hmm. The team can be located, of course, offshore. Um, but you know, you um, you get the benefits right. of you know the same guys working on your project over a long. Right. And when it comes to the development of an IoT solution, do you all handle all the different components or are you partnering with companies to kind of help along the way, like on the hardware side, the connectivity side and so forth? Mm -hmm. For the most part, we do it all under, you know, our our one roof solution. We we call ourselves a full stack development Mm -hmm. company, which means we're capable of doing the end-to-end development for an IoT solution, which means hardware design, mechanical design, board layout, firmware, mobile app, web backend, as well as QA and support. So it really is everything. doesn't mean we have to do all of that because we can do just one piece of it, but not many companies can do that all under one, one roof. And, um, you know, sometimes we, we would have to maybe bring somebody in. For example, we don't do mm-hmm. manufacturing, although we can point to manufacturing partners either in the U.S. or, you know, um, overseas that can get the product ultimately done right. and, and developed. We also send out our designs. You know, of course, we use PCB firms okay. and stuff like that to, to, to do the, 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 you know, the boards. I mean, uh, if it's... A, proof of concept or something or MVP, you know, we, we can uh, do that um, assembly in house. Right. But um, as far as the production manufacturing, that's typically something another Very company cool. okay. does. Makes a lot of sense. And one of the things you mentioned uh, earlier mm-hmm. when you're talking about your typical customer engagements is um, when you do kind of rescue projects for companies, and this kind of relates well to an article that I read on your site. Um, I think it was titled 75% of IoT products fail. And here's what you could do to avoid those like similar situations. So from your experience, why mm-hmm. do most solutions fail? And if we break it down into two areas, let's say development challenges and then other general reasons on why they fail, um, starting with development challenges, what would you say are the biggest development challenges that contribute to IOT projects failing, um, when they launch? Yeah, it's, it's, um, just, I think of course it can be a very complicated wide range of things, but you know, um, developing of course, an IOT solution is definitely a lot harder than it, than it sounds. Right. So, you know, it does involve all of these pieces that go into it. And it's a very, you know, when you look at it like end to end, everything from the hardware to the software, there's a lot of things that have to be done. Right. And, um, as far as the development side, uh, a company can typically use, uh, uh, many mm-hmm. different partners for that development. And so they try to bring in a mobile developer. They try to bring in a hardware guy. They try to let the, <clears throat> you know, the manufacturing partner do the firmware or something like that. Um, and then it all has to be coordinated, right. And you get the web back in as well. And you need somebody doing AWS or Azure or something. And it all has to be tightly coordinated in order to achieve success on launch. Um, and it, a, a lot of times companies overlook just, just that level of complexity. 
um, to get all that working. Um, right. Yeah. And then delivered. So how about on the kind of a couple other areas we can talk about just in general when it relates to IOT projects failing. So we talk about, um, I know at least with IOT for all, one of the big things we saw in the market when we first started was that there was a kind of a lack of knowledge around the industry on what IOT is, how it can help a business, the different components of it. Uh, most content was written very uh, technical and written for more engineering focused individuals. When we realized a lot of people were actually that were making the decisions on IOT solutions in within a company were not very technical people. So there seems to be this lack of knowledge. Um, mm-hmm. Other other things such as you know lack of budget, um, just you know which I guess can sort of contribute to the lack or be part of the lack of knowledge as well. Um, poor planning, uh, the maturity of technology and so forth. So out of those kind of areas, which ones have you seen to be most, um, most of a, or I guess contribute the most to, to the kind of failure of projects on the IOT side? Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also I do want to uh, clarify that that 75% uh, failure rate is not, uh, no, <laughs> not course, soft course, failure rate. Fortunately, we have a much, much, much higher, uh, yeah. uh delivery rate than, than that. But yeah, definitely, um, when, 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 uh, what we've seen is, yeah, on the planning side, right. Um, it's just not taking a phased approach, uh, to the development of the product. A lot of, a lot of, uh, customers are planning or try to plan on, you know, mm-hmm. jumping right in, right. From, from the beginning before figuring out what they don't know yet. Um, or trying to build like version 3.0 of a 1.0 project. Uh, so it's really important, you know, in our opinion to do like an initial discovery phase to head off some of mm-hmm. these problems that can occur and kind of just do a, you know, a deeper dive and description and, you know, that upfront planning really does wonders for, you know, once you get underway and, and doing your development. And then that, uh, uh, after that discovery phase, you know, building in like a, you know, time for proof of concept, you know, to, to validate those assumptions, like you said, um, um, mm-hmm. because of the lack of technical knowledge, a lot of people will think, oh, let's just build this right. and it'll solve all these problems. But, you know, can it really, can it really be done? Does it really work? You know, you don't have to jump right into, into, you know, uh, a lot of production or a lot of, you know, heavy development effort. You can do some, you know, proof of concept, some, you know, MVPs to just, you know, prove out the theories, right? At Compact, they would, uh, back in the day, they would take a, you know, also this, you know, they'd, they'd have their, you know, their marketing requirements stock, right? And you had the product requirements stock. And so the marketing guy, of course, would, would kind of have his hypothesis of what he could sell in the market and what a solution would potentially be. And then the, the engineering side would then say, well, uh, okay, that's great. Right. But this is what we could actually build for you today, right? And um, a lot of companies don't take that, you know, time to, yeah, yeah good, good point before you might have answered that question talking about obviously it's not soft tech on the failure side. It's more, this is all pulled from a McKinsey report um, that talks about kind of 75% of IoT projects failing. So that's a good point to kind of clarify. One other thing I wanted to ask you is, is when you're engaging with customers, um, what is what is the conversation usually like on the ROI side? So are they coming into it with a clear kind of ROI of what they're looking to get out of it and kind of understand what the solution is worth to them? Um before they kind of engage mm-hmm. so that they're able to understand if, you know, once the solution is deployed, whether it's in the pilot phase or past the pilot phase, they can evaluate how successful the solution actually is in terms of ROI, or is that usually something that's maybe not that clear, which can also then contribute to 
projects not really getting past the pilot phase because they're not able to accurately um, kind of measure the ROI, which I think is a very important piece to any type of solution. Yeah, and that that is an important point. And a lot of you know uh, development partners um, just kind of dive right into the requirements and start trying to figure out how to build a thing. Right? We have a little different approach where we really try to understand well what's you know what's the end result? What are you trying to get out of this? What is what does success look like to you? Right? So that we can help guide the customer toward that success, and we can also understand what they're trying to achieve, so we can contribute as a partner and show like, well, where the pitfalls might be in a, in a particular solution. We, we try to have those conversations. We're not always, you know, able to, you know, you know, get that, um, because obviously we're a development partner and they have their business and it's like, you know, Hey guys, we just want you to build this, you know, don't worry about the marketing side. Right. Um, but you know, that is, that is pretty important, um, to, to understand it. So if we can get it from them, um, it, it really helps, it right. really helps us, um, help them achieve success. But the ROI in particular, you know, a lot of times we don't get like a lot, a lot of detail from them on that. Um, so now we've kind of listed out a number of different reasons on why projects are failing from your guys side of things. What advice do you have for developers, companies, you know, and, and so forth to help kind of avoid those common pitfalls and those issues that they, that may, they may read about, they may, you know, kind of come into an IOT project thinking, um, is a reason maybe not to go down an IOT journey. So how do you guys avoid those common pitfalls and kind of better help projects succeed? Well, um, you know, common pitfalls can include, of course, not thinking about security. And that's an area that people kind of cut corners on from yeah. the beginning. Right. Um, you've seen a lot of this in the news where, you know, even the hackers are hacking security mm-hmm. cameras and, you know, taking advantage of vulnerabilities to do, you know, denial of service attacks and things of that nature. So, um, you know, definitely setting aside, you know, some time and, and even budget to, to address those, you know, security concerns is, uh, a, a definite, um, thing to be aware of. Um, so, you know, focusing on security from, you know, from the start so that, you know, as you build the platform and build the code, create the product, you're thinking about those mm-hmm. risks and pitfalls. Um, other things are like I alluded to just, you know, trying to get, you know, everyone on the team mm-hmm. on the same page. Right. Um, of course for us, it's easier because we can do that, you know, all, all under our, you know, one roof and, and between our departments. But like I said, you know, we, we often work with distributed teams. Um, and we try to you know, guide the partner on the fact that, you know, you're going to be working with, you know, for example, you know, you're going to have us as a developer partner and maybe they're located in the U S you might have a Chinese manufacturing partner. You might need, you know, something else from some other, you know, region and you need to have a little bit of experience on how to manage right. a distributed team as well. Um, and that's a, another area uh, that you need to focus on on planning. You're not building enough sure. um, QA into the cycle. You know, everyone wants to be done and right. not, you know not not spend that time for the the testing phase where you're like, well, you know, do you have a couple of months at the end where you can do a few iterations because mm-hmm. you need to spend time testing, maybe do a uh, soft rollout, you know, have soft launch so you kind of shake out the bugs before you turn on the switch and let you right. know, thousands of people suddenly hit the platform, right? Um, so there's, there's, uh, quite a few areas. And then, you know, if you're a startup in particular and you're trying to come out with a new IOT device, 
uh, just budgeting for mm-hmm. that marketing phase of it too, which is not development related. You know, it's like, well, you know, and, and that's not something that it's really our responsibility, but it is something that we try to bring up, you know, like you right. know, just, just, just keep that in mind. Um, and then the continuous development, I would say just to add, I mean, of course there are so many things, but mm-hmm. you know, it, it, you're not done on launch, right? So you can deliver it, you launch it. Now you need to iterate and you know, you're going to have, you're going to have some, some, um, some things you're going to have to fix. Right. And then you're also going to have to keep it maintained in, in, mm-hmm. and keep that mobile app updated and make sure you can update the, uh, right. the firmware on the device remotely, for example. Um, and, uh, that's another mm-hmm. area that people want to try to skimp on, right. Not having a way to update, update the firmware in the field. And now you've got a situation where, you know, people are having to send the devices back or it's just a logistical nightmare. Right. Yeah. So, so would you, would you say that most of the problems that you've seen in solutions that have failed occur earlier in the process? So let's say during the discovery phase, or do they happen more a bit later in the process once a pilot has been run um, or, uh, or when they're getting ready to scale, where, where do you see kind of most of the problems occur in the development cycle of an IOT solution? Mm-hmm. Well, I would say that most of the time, you know, the problems are created in the beginning, right? So if they come out later, it's because you didn't, you didn't really do a good enough job up front, kind of identifying, you know, those, those risks and issues and do that planning, right? So it's like you skip security and then you send it out in the field or you didn't think about firmware updates and now you can't update the device. Um, and because you cut corners, cause you didn't put, you know, the, the, the connectivity that you would need, for example, in an IoT device, in order to do that, that firmware update, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and now you now you're now you're in a tough spot, right? How about um, when we're kind of thinking of past the discovery phase? We've run a pilot and we're getting ready to scale. Where do you see what what, what kind of happens to kind of I guess cause those solutions to not get from pilot um, to scale? Like, what are you, what are you seeing of some of the biggest kind of contributors to, um, to scale not occurring? Cause actually, I mean, at the end of the day, that's the reason these companies get into their IOT journey is to hopefully reach scale. It's where everyone basically benefits from a solution, whether you're the help developing it on your platform or you're actually deploying it for your own company or a customer of yours, scale is what we're all trying to achieve. So once, mm-hmm. you know, we go through the discovery phase, we think we have everything in line. We learn a lot. We iterate, you know, we run a pilot or two, um, and we feel like we're ready to scale, but what things kind of happen in that period of time that contribute also potentially to projects failing? Mm-hmm. Well, there's a lot of things outside of the actual development. I mean, there's things in the development as well, but there's a lot of external mm-hmm. factors that, that, that can happen. Um, you know, scaling a hardware company, for example, if you're a startup is pretty tough because of just the, the cash needs, right? You know, okay, you can do a hundred devices, but now, you know, how do you do 10,000, right? I mean, that's, that's a lot of money, a lot of inventory, you know, it's, you're trying to plan ahead. You're trying to gauge demand. You're trying to, you know, match your manufacturing capabilities to, to your shipping and things. Right. So, um, of course, lack of demand can also be the opposite side of that, right. Where it you know, turns out people really didn't want the device, um, in, in the, in the first place. Um, 
And so it, you know, a lot of it is business at that point. Once, once they launch, um, as far as the devices failing, I brought up the one, the one issue that, that can kind of bite you is this, the inability, inability to actually update the firmware in the field. Uh, once it's, once it's out there, um, or you just don't, you know, as I said, keep, keep the product, keep the product updated that you're going to have to react. You're going to have to have a development team in place. You're going to have, you know, support, right? So once, once those bugs start happening, you know, and you can't, you, you know, every product ships with bugs, mm-hmm. right? You know, um, so, and, and once, once it starts scaling, it's, that's when everything kind of shakes out and, you need to be ready yeah, for that. Absolutely. I think there's a lot of different factors that people really don't think about. And, or I guess early on, they, the, the main thing people put their, you know, or I guess divert most of their attention to is the technology and the components of actually building the solution. But it's important to note, there are a lot of other factors within an organization, um, in the decision-making process, you know, when it comes to budget, when it comes to planning past proving out just the technology and the solution to actually get the go ahead, um, for these solutions to, to at least try to scale. Um, and that can be where a lot mm-hmm. of the hangups actually are. Um, and I think it's important to utilize the early stages to get that, that buy-in. And so that when you prove out the ROI and you run the pilot, you invested that time, the resources and so forth, you're not then held up when you're ready to kind of get to the, 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 the goal of, of scaling, um, to really see that ROI bump up. Yeah. And it's something I think very important that companies, you know, maybe often overlook where you have, let's say a, a department within an organization who, you know, uses a small part of their budget to just prove out a concept, um, and, or, or then a solution. And then they take it to upper management and management says, well, this is not really in our plan. It probably would have been good to know that earlier, or at least use that earlier time to get that buy-in so that when they proved it out, they knew what the next steps were so that the companies and the partners involved in the development are now kind of on the hook or basically, you know, working to, I guess, you know, they get involved in the project, hoping that they get to scale because that's good business for them. Same like with, a, with an organization like Softech. But then if the company says, oh, well now Emmanuel won't let us kind of go any further. Well, it would have been good to know that ahead of time, you know, to kind of be able to qualify yeah. the business. Um, because you're, you're getting involved in things. I know you, you talked about being able to operate and fix costs, operate time material and so forth. But at the end of the day, you're hoping to get to scale. I mean, that's where the recurring comes from and, and everybody sees the largest benefit in most cases. So, um, so getting that buy-in early, I think is very important for organizations to understand and not overlook. Yeah. Buy-in. I mean, as tech guys and as geeks, right, we always focus so much on like the technical pieces of it and the technical solution of it. But then these other things can hit you like cash flow management or right upper level buy-in or even, even something like, for example, you standardize on a particular chip and it goes end of life or it has supply chain issues where, Oh yeah, you can only, you know, one chip on your IOT device being out of stock for, you know, three months, either due to demand or end of life issues or, or et cetera, you know, can really kind of torpedo your, your, your whole product. Right. Um, it could be, you could have checked all the boxes technically and, and, you know, for the market, but then now you can't build it. Right. Cause you just can't get right, exactly. the hardware. 
Yeah. So, so now that we've kind of had spent a good amount of time talking about um, why projects fail, you know, kind of uh, advice on how to avoid those common pitfalls. Can you talk about some maybe examples of companies that you've worked with in the past that have gone through maybe a similar situation? I know there were two we talked about before the interview started. Um, one was relating to um, dog collars, connected dog collars, and the other was related to uh, a baby crib. And maybe kind of talk through the difference between those two projects, not the solution itself, but kind of maybe the stage in development the company came to you in and, and how you all played a role in helping those projects uh, succeed? Yeah, sure. Yeah, those are two uh, interesting projects. I mean, we target, as a company, we, we kind of target two ends of the, of the spectrum, right? So we target like well-funded startups um, and and also um, large enterprises. So, okay. um, you know, big customers for us are, are you know, well, like, like I said earlier, Compaq, HP, telecom companies, you know, consumer electronics companies, things like that. But um, in this case, for example, uh, connected dog collars. Um, uh, this was a startup that was looking to kind of design the be-all, end-all uh, dog collar solution. So it's like everything except except the kitchen sink in this in this collar, right? So you've got you've got mm-hmm. you know, multiple wireless technologies from Bluetooth to Wi-Fi to you know. Um, 4G, 3G, 4G, 5G, uh, connectivity, um, you know, um, geo, you know, so you got GPS in there as well. You've got, you know, um, battery issues. You want to put a camera in there. You got, you know, Mm -hmm. um, you want to have like a long life, um, long battery life because it needs to last, you know, at least a day. Right. You know, and, um, you want to do things like invisible leashes and all this stuff. Right. So it's the, the challenge. Oh, and then it also has to be rugged enough to kind of, you know, be worn by a dog running around all day. You know? right. So of course those are the type of projects we really like, right. You can see there's multiple challenges there, um, to create a product like that. And then you've got mechanical design as well. Um, and so, uh, it's, it's, it's a nice challenge. So for that kind of engagement, yeah, we're getting involved in the beginning, you know, it's a, uh, you know, um, a startup looking to create their first product and, um, they're looking for a partner that can, you know, create the, the product end to end and maybe even recommend some manufacturing partners to, to, to get it built. And, um, we like those projects because it does check all of our boxes. It is cross departmental. It does, it, you know, that's what, what we like when we say full stack. Right. Um, and, uh, those are a lot of fun really, uh, to, to, to execute. Um, and, and, uh, that wasn't one of the ones that failed those, you know, that, that, that color did make it to market. Right. And, okay. um, the other, the other one uh, was, uh, yeah, smart crib. I think companies actually called, um, uh, happiest baby. And, uh, they, they actually had a, um, uh, a smart cradle. That's probably even more relevant now in the world of coronavirus. Right. You know, so this cradle actually is, it was created by a doctor. They were an existing company. Um, they actually brought us in because, uh, you know, they're, they were looking for a partner that could do, you know, low level embedded development and solve a particular technology problem for them that they weren't, um, you know, able to address. And so this, this cradle actually, you know, has a bunch of tech in it, right? So it, it detects that the, the baby's crying, tries to, you know, use some algorithms on like, you know, uh, and, and to detect kind of what's, what, what's happening. And then, um, it actually will, will jiggle the cradle at, at certain, you know, frequencies, uh, that have been shown to, to calm mm-hmm. the baby down. Right. Um, and, uh, 
well, and there's also some monitoring stuff in there as well. And so, as you imagine, in, t- in today's day and age, um, with everybody at home and not being able to use like, nannies and things like this, it seems to be that it's even more more relevant. But um, they they needed us to come in as a as a low level partner and, and solve solve the. The, the algorithms and then do some additional development and QA. And, um, so we've had a you know dedicated team for them awesome. for quite a while now. Um, that's fantastic. Yeah. So those are two examples. Very yeah, cool. so. But even, even on the big companies, big enterprise companies that we get involved with, you know, they're, they're also, a lot of times they're, they're, they're a team that's kind of like a startup within a bigger organization, right? Where they're trying to prove out, um, a solution that then they can show to upper management to say like, this mm-hmm. can actually work and, um, and then, and then eventually be able to, to, to bring it to market. Right. Exactly. Oh, that's great. Thanks for sharing those opportunities or those, you know, solutions and those projects you guys have worked on. Those, that's fantastic insight. Um, so I guess the, as we kind of wrap up here, um, one of the things I wanted to, I guess, finish off with is see if you had any other kind of just general advice for companies looking to kind of start their IoT journey um, um, or have maybe got started an IoT journey and then failed uh, along the way and maybe are a little discouraged. Kind of what, 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 what advice would you have for, for either of those two kind of situations for, for companies? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so, well, I mean, it's definitely along the lines of things that, um, suggesting, you know, a lot of times that pre-front planning is really makes all the difference. You know, I mean, it's kind of like trading your path and your runway, right. Mm-hmm. To, to get, to getting your, your product development developed, you know, I mean, it, as far as companies that have, that have failed and maybe be discouraged, I mean, you know, that's, that's pretty much how it goes in business, right? Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Uh, success is, you know, the getting up one more time, right. You know, I, I do think that the, the IOT market is still, you know, relatively in its, in, you know, at the beginning, right. Um, the, the forecast is, you know, billions of these devices as we, you know, enter into this decade. And, um, you know, it's going to, it's going to take some, some iterative approaches to, you know, try it fails, try again. Right. Um, but definitely look at that postmortem, look at those lessons learned, look at, you know, for example, our blog article that goes over a lot of this stuff, like why product, what failed and, um, you know, how maybe it related to that failed project and, and just do things differently next time. Right. You know, that take those things into account, um, for the, for your next run at it. Right. Um, it, it, I'm always reminded of like how many times, for example, a book author gets rejected, just crazy number of times, right, you know, right, like right. 50, 50, a hundred times. Right. You know, so if you've, if you, if you've made one stab at it, mm-hmm. you know, you know, you've got to take another run. That would be my suggestion. I totally agree with you. I think, you know, there's, there's enough happening in the IOT market, enough successful solutions out there to, to back up the claim that IOT is valuable to organizations. It's just finding the correct components, the correct use case that provides the right ROI, the right solution at the right cost solves the problem in the way that, you know, improves your business or customer's business. And I think that's not always done on the first time around. I think it's something very important mm-hmm. for organizations to understand is if you, you know, IOT is not just a one trick pony. There are many different components and different ways to make an IOT solution. And there are many different kinds of use cases out there that are available. Um, like we try to shed a lot of light on that, um, and different use cases per industry on IOT for all, um, 
And I think the more education people have around what's actually possible, the more likely they will feel confident in actually starting that journey. Uh, I think just over time, we're going to see prices and the cost of IoT solutions drop to make it more achievable for companies to try and not be fearful that you know it has to work or we need a certain high budget in order to, to not just do a pilot, but also to scale. Um, and as that price continues to drop, I think we're going to see IoT be adopted even even at a, you know, a larger range or a or, or more higher rate, I guess, uh, I would say. So, uh, so yeah, I definitely agree with, with your points. And I, I think it's, it's fantastic advice for companies to kind of just be thinking and realize that it doesn't always happen the first time around um, when you venture down you know, that IoT path. Yeah. And if you take that phased approach, I mean, you don't, uh, you know, you don't need to spend, you know, like a million dollars on the device, you know, from the, from the get go. Nowadays, it's just, it's so, you know, cheap really to be able to put a, uh, like a proof of of concept together or or build it on some existing platform or technology and prove out the ideas and the technology before you really, you know, go all in and, and getting a product developed and building a bunch of devices and then, you know, not sell right. them for whatever reason. Absolutely. So, um, you, you can, you know, use that discovery phase, use the proof of concept approach, you know, go to the MVP, you know, just take those steps. And so that, you know, when you do that POC, you know, it doesn't work then. on Absolutely. The next totally yeah. agree with you. Um, but I, I really appreciate your time. I think, you know, shedding light on these, on, on solutions and kind of why they fail and, and advice for companies, um, not to get discouraged and kind of common things they can avoid and, you know, just ways to, to, you know, not be one of those, you know, being that 75%, I think is super important. And you guys have a lot of experience kind of in this space. So it's been fantastic to hear your insights. Um, are there, I guess I wanted to finish up by asking one last question, which is, are there anything, I guess, happening on the soft tech side, um, in the next, you know, couple months that we should be on the lookout for anything to kind of pay attention to. And if people that are listening have questions or want to reach out, what's the best way to do that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, well, I mean, we don't, we don't get to talk about a lot of stuff that's going on, um, <laughs> just because of the NDAs that we yeah, have I totally in place. Get it. Um, you know, I mean, we are, um, lucky in, from the standpoint that, uh, most of our customers are not in the hardest hit industries right now with this whole coronavirus going on. So, um, you know, feeling blessed to be in this IT space and, uh, the technology space, um, so, you know, uh, we do put out, you know, some pretty interesting, um, uh, news articles periodically each month. We put out something for techies. It's just kind of like a 10 minute read. If, if you want to follow on our sofa channels, um, uh, probably the, the easiest way to reach out to us is just to go to softtech.com. Okay. That's uh, so softq.com and uh just just reach out to us there we even have a chat bot there uh so you know uh, and uh we'll get back to you um with with answers um answers to your questions Well, we really appreciate your time, Chris. This has been fantastic to get some insights into soft tech, you know, your guys' philosophy, how you handle things, the work you're doing. Um, sounds like you have some very exciting use cases over there. I think, you know, you'd definitely be a great company for anybody listening, looking to get involved in IoT to kind of reach out to and explore how that you guys could help them out. Um, so, so again, I really appreciate your time. And, you know, um, obviously soft tech now being a, an IOT for all partner, I think gives uh, a great opportunity for you all to even share more content. So anybody who's out there listening and, you know, likes what you're saying, we'll, we'll hopefully get exposed to even more stuff, um, from soft tech over time. Um, and, and we just, you know, just really appreciate you, you being involved and, um, hopefully we can have you back on the show sometime in the later this year and see how maybe COVID kind of has impacted the market. And we can talk a little bit more about kind of all the exciting stuff going on over at soft tech. 
Yeah, thanks, Ryan. It was a real pleasure. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Mm-hmm. All right, everyone. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the IoT for All podcast with our guest, Chris Howard, the founder and CEO of SoftTech. Hope you found a lot of value in our conversation today. And if you did, we'd really appreciate it if you would leave a rating or review on whichever platform you're listening to us on. Subscribe to our social media or to our newsletter to get the latest episodes as soon as they become available. And if you have a guest you'd like to see featured on the podcast, feel free to shoot me an email at ryan at iotforall.com and we'll do everything we can to get them on the show. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the IoT for All podcast and we'll see you next time. Thank you.